Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Your podcast where you reach out lovingly to your partner and rip out their tongue. And then they turn and they run screaming with blood bubbling out of their mouths into the night. Man, my divorces were never that bad. (laughs) In case you didn't notice, this one's going to be a little bit more severe And, you know, people who aren't willing to talk about horror and what and things that can be part of that probably shouldn't listen. Yeah, we're going to be touching on some serious topics here that. And I guess we'll use the term mature role players would be involved with. I mean, we don't want to shock people. That's not what we do. We want to we want you to listen and be able to. Think about what we're saying and, and and try to add this to your game if that's what you're trying to do. Do you want to add any more to that? No, I think you hit it. And actually, what you were talking about leads us right into number three, establish scarcity and vulnerability. You mentioned about Doom 3. That was it right there. You covered it because you were this guy and you're running around and all this stuff's going down. And the main thing you're thinking, I don't have a gun. <laughs> I need a gun for what I believe is about to happen, and I don't got one. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, people people are going crazy, you know, and, and attacking everybody. What do I have in this house to defend myself with? You know, it's like I've, I've got like a butcher knife from the kitchen. Uh, you know, I've got, you know, maybe a... Um, uh, a uh, maybe in the in your toolbox you've got some kind of a pry bar. Maybe all you have is a screwdriver, and that's it. It's as, as you know, it's as sharp as it gets. I I'm reminded of the scene of establishing scarcity and vulnerability, and it could be considered a horror scene in Justice League, where the Russian family is there trapped in the little cinder block house, and all the parademons are coming. Uh huh. Yeah. The dad's got the shotgun. He's barricaded all the windows and the door. The little girl grabs the can of bug spray and just has that look. That's all she has. But she's well, she's, you know, it's that mentality. I'm going to help defend me and my family. They're bugs. This is my weapon. (laughs) But you see the look in her eyes. She's, you know, scared just out of her because she has no idea what's going on. Right. She's afraid. All she has is her family there. And she just picks up that bug spray and just has that look like. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, and and a lot of horror games, you know, of course, the it, it, you get back to the hierarchy of needs, right? You know, the first thing is air. Yeah. Okay. Is is the air going to be good? You know, is 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 there a fire coming in, or is there smoke from a from from part of the town burning, and 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 the gas is toxic, and it could be coming your way? Is there something in the air? You know, like a disease. Yeah. So you got that, and then you have to, and then you follow that up with your your more physical needs like food. How much food do you have? How much water do you have? 
always you don't have enough water. You know, and if you do have a lot of water, you can't carry it with you. You, I mean, yeah. you know, it's only good here. This is the safe place, but it's not going to be safe forever. So there's that. And then weapons. Like I said, you know, you got a gun and three bullets. Yes. You know, or why didn't I go and, you know, or I've got a, a bow and arrow and, and I've got like a dozen arrows, but I haven't, I haven't fired this thing since I was in, you know, uh, Boy Scout camp 10 years ago. Or, you know, uh, and, and, and you got to care. And of course, characters, you know, the, the diabetic, they yeah. don't have how much, how much they have, or the person that's getting, um, uh, has a bad kidney and has to have dialysis. You can, you know, you get that at the hospital. If you have an older person with you, like your grandmother, how much oxygen does she have? Things like that. Does yeah. she have her heart medicine? Yeah. You know, asthma. Do you have your inhaler? Yep. I mean, all these things, you know, so you, you, you go and all those things point at how, in a moment's notice, you could be very vulnerable, and and that that the and, and the and the little that you have could easily be taken away. Because if there's like people out there crazies or whatever, and they're going they're going door to door attacking people, sooner or later they're going to get to your door. So when that happens, are you going to just hunker down and hope that they 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 don't think anybody's there? Are you going to fight them? The players have to start talking about what are you willing to do? What can you do? I mean, what are you capable of doing? You know, a, a, a bunch of 100-pound uh, uh, females are not going to be able to take down monsters the size of bears. Not without driving their cars into them. So it usually, usually at some point, you're facing having to leave your safe place, and that's where we get to number four. It says you, you know, you all, you know, the, the 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 adventure has to force the characters out of their safe space, and sometimes their safe space is another person. You know, you're the, uh, let's say, uh, let's 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 flip the gender. Let's say you're this guy who's like you know, the artistic type and such, and does all this nice drawing, and you've got a you've got a girlfriend or an older sister who's like on varsity baseball. And she's ready to just like, you know, put the smack down on anybody who comes close to you or her because, you know, she's, you know, she's capable, you know, yeah. she's had to deal with stuff. All right. And, but let's say she's not a player character. She's an NPC and something happens and all yeah. of a sudden she's gone yeah, in a moment's notice. She's gone. Now you don't have that. So maybe, you know, maybe leaving the safe spaces to go and try to find her. And rescue her, even though you're like the least well, you don't feel yourself to be equipped in any way to to achieve that goal. But you have to because it's your sister. You just yes. can't leave her to what what could happen. That's another thing in there, which is that you know the things that force people out of their safe spaces sometimes is self love. I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I let that happen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, or. How could you just stand there? Aren't you a man? What kind of mother would let their child be taken by monsters and not do anything to stop it? You know, whatever, you know. Isn't that your, isn't that your dog, the one that you raised from, from nothing? You know, remember when it had, you know, 
and 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 you know whatever you can make up stories. I mean, so you you have to force them out of their safe space. Uh, why by what? And of course, that's where you know the GM has to work with the character. And that's one of the good things about that first day, that first session where you don't do anything but let them have a good time. It's because that's how the GM learns how to mess with the characters. Assuming, of course, they don't just hand a character to the players and say, just play this. Yeah. But even then, it's still, you know, you still need to do that. If, if I was the GM, you know, I, you'd find you, you're like, okay, she's my older sister, but she's your older sister who, who loves you, who's always had your back. So you have at some point somebody comes over and messes and say, what are you drawing? You know, are you drawing dirt, dirty pictures of my girlfriend? And she's like, you know, hey, back up, Jack. Yeah. You know, he's an artist. Your girl, you know, if he drew a picture of your girlfriend, it would be art, and she would be beautiful. Something like that. And just little yeah. things like that, that that help establish, you know, the importance of one character to another. I do like where you put best to include red shirts so there's someone to initially kill off. Yeah, yeah, you, you got to have loss here. You, have to, you can't force the characters out of their safe place unless there's going to be loss if they don't leave. You've let's okay. You've established the normal. Let's say you have this. Let's see. Yeah, number one, establish the normal. In that, you establish. Let's say this. Just this real snotty old woman from down this road. You know, she's always. You kids get on my lawn and you know turn down that music or you know the old crotchety guy down the road that yells at. You know, let's say you cut across his lawn on your bikes and he's on his front porch shaking his cane. Or a bully, if it's a school-based horror and it's the bully who always, you know, shakes you down for your lunch money. or And, and that would be, those are the type of characters because, yeah, they're innocence in this, but also it's buy-in because it, it gets you involved in the story. It's like, yeah, took him out. <laughs> I don't have to deal with about him anymore. <laughs> I mean, you. I mean, you don't want to see you know the old person die, but yeah, they're going to be one of those people that they're going to put as a character is, as far as a movie goes, somebody you like to dislike. Right, but that character might actually end up saving your butt. Well, yeah, I'm not saying all the time, but I mean, occasionally you're going to have that in the case of a role playing game, an NPC that just. They're there, they're painting your behind, and you've established this to where your players really don't like them, and then all of a sudden the 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 terror, whatever it is, comes out and takes out that person. Uh-huh. Yeah, and just the players are like, okay, yeah, we see now it's fill-in-the-blank horrific entity. Right. But... Yeah, they took out the jerk from you know three doors down. <laughs> so you, you you like the red shirts to be und, undesirable? <laughs> well, I mean it 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 does make it it does bring I guess a little bit of levity into the situation where it's not totally it 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 breaks the mood, but it also helps the players get into taking them out more. It's like okay, yeah, if they took out. You know, Biff Nelson, they might also take out kindly Mrs. 
uh, Abernathy who's baked cookies for us on Christmas. And it, it's like, okay, it might spur the characters on, okay, yeah, they took out Biff Bond, but we don't want these things taking out Mrs. Abernathy. We like her, you know, her angel wing she makes every year. So, yeah, we got to, it, it gets the buy-in going. Because they've seen now that their safe space, which Mrs. Abernathy would be for this example, <clears throat> is under attack. So, yeah, I would say that helps buy in is have them take out a red shirt that's annoying so the other background characters who you have helped to establish your normal are, you know, it's a better chance that they're still around. I, I, I just see it like that. You have the characters that are nice and the characters that are jerks. You take out a jerk with the horror it incites the players to protect the nice more. Okay. Yeah. As I said, it's the whole buy-in thing. We we discuss this constantly, and sure. I just, I, to me, that says it for me. Okay. All right. So number five, break taboos. And I, I give a number. Of, uh, I have a list of pot things where you might be breaking taboos. You know where you're, uh, and this is usually done to the players. To the characters, um, it's it's not like what the the characters don't do. If the characters do it, then that means that uh, that could be some real psychological horror. If if you, yeah. for example, are a pacifist and you're forced to kill somebody to either survive yourself or protect somebody else, that's horror for you. That's like yeah. I just violated a a across the line that I never yeah. thought I would ever cross, and so. You know, things like having to, uh, you know, crawl through a sewer, you know, this this filled with human waste or possibly other waste. Uh, things like, you know, uh, somebody having to, to, to climb through a, a, a place, a, a, a hole in, in a wire mesh. And, and the only way to do that is, is, is to force themselves through and it's cutting them and they're bleeding and and, it, and, yeah. and cutting people's faces is always a huge one because um, you know that's you know that's our our this is our face to the world that's the thing that we use more than anything else to get acceptance yeah. is is that you know we, we we don't no one ever wants to become in any way you know maimed in the face because right you know it's it, it, Eddie, you don't want anybody to be repulsed by your your appearance. And if you see somebody who looks really horrible, you, you know it, it's it, you know that it works against them. You know they yeah. people aren't going to trust them. People aren't going to want to be near them. You know, there's a whole movie um, uh, that uh, was called Monster, and uh, it took place you know in the turn of the century about this guy who was a really super handsome guy, and. Uh, he every week he would go down to the uh, uh, barber shop where the barber shop would just do a little trim on him just to make it perfect again, you know, and said, You're my best advertising and all this stuff. And then he uh, something happens and he gets knocked out uh, in a fire in a barn. And while that's happening, acid drips onto his face. Oh. And, and first of all, it, you know, the pain of it, the agony of it robs him of his reason for a while. And secondly, he's horrible to look at. 
and uh, the and the the guy who who is his employer literally is paying some not very nice people to take care of him just so somebody will take care of him. You know, they're the kind of people that are so destitute that they're willing to do anything for money, even take care of this monstrosity that this man has turned into. And it's all and it's all about, you know, how people judge you by your appearance. I mean, this man goes from the the, the one extreme to the other. And uh, it has a, it has a happy ending uh, to the movie, um, and uh, so I recommend it. Uh, the star was James Whitmore, uh, okay. who's very famous in like a lot of uh, uh, westerns and other things like that. I highly recommend if you ever get a chance to watch it. It's very it's it's very well done, and uh, you know and, and and more than anything else, it shows you know like I said how people are judged by their appearance and how, you know, all that goodwill literally is skin deep. Yeah. Yeah. You find out who your friends are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, the easy one, sexual attacks, you know, uh, uh, doing things like, uh, my wife would on the fourth one, it just totally would goes, goes berserk in movies whenever they kill pets or they injure children. She hates those movies. Because those that's that's where her taboos are, you know those things. That should no good movie has that in it. So of course she doesn't watch a whole lot of horror movies. Yeah, right, right. But it well because with that it hits a chord with us. Yeah, we're raised that kids and pets are what's pure and kind and good in us. Mm-hmm. Children are are the symbol of of innocence. Yes, thank you. And so you go after that, it it shows one just how vile the horror is that it's willing to attack. You killed a puppy, you know. Yeah. And then also it incites the players in the game. It's like, oh, you went after a kid? And just, you know, that look like you're done. Uh-huh. You pick up the chainsaw or the crowbar or... If you have the weapon and you just hunt it down. Right. Good old-fashioned quote-unquote witch hunt. Yeah. I mean, it's surprising to me, you know, when I talk, when I ask people about it, the movie John Wick, it's like he goes and slaughters everybody in the entire film. You know that, right? He says, yeah, they killed his dog. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not, it's it's a little deeper than that. I mean, we're not doing spoilers here because this movie's like three or four years old, but that pet was given to John, kind of like a beyond the grave type thing. And the event of his wife's death, she had this dog delivered to him. Mm-hmm. And then these guys from the Russian mafia go and, you know, kill the dog and leave him near death. So, yeah, he goes, you know, headshots for everybody in the Russian mafia do this. And yeah. just, it, 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 again, it was because that was the last remnant he had of his wife the very person who he quit being an assassin for. Right. But, you know, if you ask somebody, their response is very simple. He, they killed his dog. They had to go. I, I love the meme. I love the memes with Thanos where, oh, I've destroyed all half a life in the universe. And John Wick comes up. Hey, where's my dog? And you see Thanos all of a sudden have that look like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only. <laughs> if only. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's like that. 
me made me not just smile but laugh out loud. Yes, yeah, I, I I hadn't seen that, so yes, I'm getting that reaction right now. But yeah, pets and children, they do. They symbolize what is pure and noble to all of us. I mean, you you're gonna find revulsion in anybody who kicks a puppy or takes candy from a baby. You know, there, there's a phrase that um actually uh, Amber's sister Jessica Jesse does. To show and and a- Amber Rowe, our former co-host, uh, her sister Jessica, you know when and it's very rare she gets angry. So when she says, "I'm so mad, I want to slap a baby," and you think that is just a horrific hor and it is, it's a horrific, horrible act. But I've known Jessica now for 15, 20 years. I know if she's that mad, get out of town mm-hmm. because we just have it, and it's part of our. It's nothing ingrained. It's part of our human nature. You, you mess with our pets, you mess with our kids, and it's just, there's such outrage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you're going to push a button as far as breaking a taboo, you, know, you kind of save the worst for last there on that list. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> and it's, yeah, I mean, and it, it does allow buy-in when you see an innocent get hurt by whatever big bad it, we're, you're dealing with. Yeah. And you can do it very subtly, too, because, for example, let's say there's this guy and you don't know him very well, but let's say he's like a neighborhood handyman or the mailman or somebody, okay, that you see a lot of and everyone just has a kind of a, you know, okay feeling about him. And he's carrying a sack. And you're like, hey, uh, Greg, he says, what you doing? He goes, I'm going to the river. And you're like, what? why are you going to the river? I got business to do there. And he turns around, he walks away, and you start hearing the mewing cry of kittens coming from the sack. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, that's the reaction, you know? And you're like, and at which point you're like, the players are like, okay, do I like hit, run him over with my car? Or do I hit him? Do I grab that sack off his back? I mean, that's where they have to go and say, are you going to, you know, are, are you going to mess with somebody else's business? Are you going to break social convention, you know, and assault somebody? Are you going to uh, act rashly in a situation where it's none of your business or not? I mean, it's, it's one of those situations where, again, if you know that somebody cares a lot about animals or things like that or who's an advocate for the, the rights of the weak, you know, Something like that's a really sly little thing to do to them. Bring, you know, basically yeah. you break the taboos. Even threatening doing so. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say the horror comes up and, you know, has little Susie by her pigtails and has, you know, his sickle ready to, you know, give her a haircut at the neck. And just, yeah, that will spur any character into action. It's just like, okay, you know what? You you killed the bully. You, you're going after Mrs. Abernathy. You go after little Susie, it's on. And that's when, you know, you and even the, the geeky artist that you mentioned earlier would go after this guy. It's like, no, you don't hurt Susie. Susie's off limits. You know, it, it just, yeah, even the threat of it. I mean, you don't even have to kill. It's just threatened. Sure. Well, threatening is always better because, you know, then it's then the the players are imagining 
the situation. And they're always going to imagine it worse than, than what you as the GM can, can actually describe. Yeah, so it, it really super fuels that buy-in to go and fight whatever, the big bad. We'll just call it the big bad. Just for, yeah. yeah, on, uh, on uh, uh, TV, uh, TV tropes, they refer yeah. to that as horror fuel. Okay, I like that term. Yeah, right. anything that that basically feeds into the horror is is horror. And like I say, it's it could be like you know uh, finding you know something you you're eating you know uh, you know you're eating a a sandwich and you and you and you, as you're putting it in your mouth, you realize there's a roach poach perched on the end of it. <laughs> oh yeah, or a no. spider if you're more toward the spider thing. Yeah. Okay. You know, you uh, or or you're you're you know you're 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 put, you're making that sandwich and you pull a big dollop of, of mayonnaise out and you smear it, revealing a dead roach. I mean, yeah. You know, now something good has been has been ruined. I mean, it was you, you can't use the mayonnaise. You can't use the the that piece of bread. You know, yeah. if you're really unlucky, you can't use the the other the stuff on the other hand. And maybe you can't use that knife anymore if you really have a problem with this. Yeah. I'm reminded of the scene, oh God, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, where Willie Kate Capshaw's character was reaching in to reach for the switch to get Indy and Short Round out of there. Mm -hmm. And the bug, she's reaching through the bugs, the bugs are in her hair, they're going down her outfit, and just, I'm even just like, oh, just, I mean, you're seeing centipedes, millipedes, scorpions, all sorts of creepy, praying mantises, and just, yeah. And just yeah, that 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 goes back to the um, smell, feel, taste of decay, and just I mean, you don't need decay so much, but just gross things mm-hmm. and insects and other little vermin like that. We kind of have that primal. They don't call them creepy crawlers for nothing. Exactly. I mean, you don't necessarily decay. It could be just something that just. Because I mean, none of it, you know, decay. Yeah, it, it, it's just it, it's like anathematical to us. Mm-hmm. And spiders, snakes, insects like that. Imagining that crawling on your skin and in your hair and down your clothes. And uh-huh. Yeah, just no. That 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 scene in Temple of Doom scared the crap out of me. I'm just sitting there at the theater back in the '80s, just going, "Oh, I I can't watch this." <laughs> and sometimes it's what you can't see is the worst. Let's say you got some kind of growth on the back of your head; it's in your hair, and you can feel it, and then you can touch it, and it's warm and it's throbbing, but you really can't see it unless there's somebody else there with you who look at. Yeah. And they look at it; they're like, "Oh my goodness! Oh, you don't want to see this? You know? Can you get it off of me? No, man, it's attached." What am I going to do? I don't know. Just leave it alone. Maybe it'll get better. <laughs> you just get that. that it's that not going to get better. <laughs> that, that shiver down the spine where you just go. Yeah. 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 No. I, I do like this next one here. Injure competencies. Yeah. I do like that because. Yeah. You, you even said that very rarely. You mentioned the white T-shirt earlier. Oh no! It ends up becoming a roadmap of what you've been through. <laughs> Just and and this is that same thing where it's very rare that you see that someone in a horror situation comes out a hundred percent unscathed, 
They're 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 fine. Okay, Bill Murray and Ghostbusters with very little marshmallow cream on them. Okay, that's that's an exception to the rule. That was a joke. Yeah, yeah. Everybody but, else was covered. Yeah, Bill Murray's like, oh god, we got through it. And they're all looking at him like, bite me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do like a lot of physical skills hurt them and force them in a brace. So yeah, the the jock. Yeah, if if you have like like I mentioned Grimm earlier, where you had the jock, the brain, the princess, you know, like the personalities in the Breakfast Club. Right. So if you had like Emilio Estevez's character, yeah, hurt him and force him into a brace. You know, he was a football guy. Uh, if beautiful, cut face or pull hair out, nails out, yeah, Molly Ringwald's character, yeah, yeah, she'd be the one. All of a sudden, you know, her hair's been hacked at because. Somebody, you know, the monster tried to grab it and somebody else had to hack the hair to get her out of there. And now she's got this, you know, one side that's shorn off. Right. Or the monster literally re- reaches over and rips a whole tank, hunk of hair out of her head, causing yeah. blood to flow down and a lot of pain and everything. Doesn't kill her. But, you know, now she's not only she has the physical torment to deal with. She also knows that her her looks have been have, have been severely injured. Yeah. Let's see. Strong. Well, I guess Judd Nelson would be that character. Drug and make weak. Yeah. Um, like a neurotoxin. Let's say the, the creature has, you know, neurotoxin on its claws, like a paralytic. Mm-hmm. Or or vomiting. Well, yeah, that too. But it has some type of, you know, reactionary effect where it slows you down, either nausea or paralysis or whatever. Yeah, so... And then, if smart, confused, or cause memory breaks. Anthony Michael Hall's geeky character. Um, confused or cause memory breaks. That, that to me, just sounds like having the smart guy have his sanity drained. Yeah, I mean, or you could just forget things. It's like, come on, man, we need you to hack... You know, what? well, okay, just think of Dr. – it's a bad example because the it's a bad episode. But Star Trek, Dr. McCoy, he's in the middle of doing brain surgery on Spock after having his mind, you know, souped up by the alien device. Yeah. And halfway through it, it vanishes. All that super smart vanishes, and he's just looking at this brain in front of him, and he's supposed to fix it. And he doesn't remember how. Oh, geez. He yeah. doesn't know how. And that's when Spock goes and says, you know, if you're in the temporal lobe, then it should be connected to this. So try connecting some nerves, and I'll tell you if, if, you're, if you're right, if it feels right. And together they work through to get him reconnected up. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't have been possible for, for, the, uh, for, for Bones to do that by himself. But with Spock's help, he was able to fix him. Uh, yeah. But that moment where he doesn't, what what am I supposed to do with this? You know, and everyone's like, and everyone else is looking at horror like, what do you mean? What are you supposed to do with it? You just said it was easy. That's also from the episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's like everyone is looking at him in horror like, we can't help. You're the one who said you could do it. This was your idea. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, oh. oh, the players could just totally. I mean, these things could be huge cathartic moments if the players really get into it. 
And of course, you know, by by injuring these people, you're you're making it harder for them to succeed. Okay, well, and you're yeah. and you're reducing their confidence, and you're making you're causing depression, and you're causing you know all those things that are part of horror. Well, like we said, if you if you are a character and you've gone through a horror scenario and you have not been lessened in some way, I'm sorry, the, the, then the the scenario was not run correctly. Yeah. These players are meant to come out of this limping in one way or another. Yeah, the 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 greatest knowledge that that you're that you're supposed to get out of a horror scenario is I finally found out what I'm truly capable of and what I truly am capable of not. Well, Eleanor Roosevelt said, "People are like tea bags; they're you don't know how strong they are until you put them in hot water." Right. Yeah. But I mean, you find out how strong are you? I mean, can, you know, you think you're able to deal with all these things, but then you find out no, you're not. But then sometimes you find out that something that you thought you couldn't do, you could do, and because the 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 stakes were high enough. So there's that. You know, you can't get you can't come out out of these situations stronger in some ways. But yeah. yes, you have to suffer loss while you're doing it. Otherwise, it does, it won't feel genuine at, at, to the player, and it won't look genuine to the other players. It'll be a cheap victory, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If the, if the, if the bad guy just literally gets blown away by, he literally falls off the roof. He's been chasing you all on the rooftop, menacing you, and at the last minute, you know, I mean, it was in um, uh, Catch Twenty Two, you know, the guy that gets cut in half by the by the plane flying too low. I mean, uh, really gruesome moment, but it's just kind of like they were having a conversation. They were having a serious conversation with each other, and suddenly one of them is not there anymore. Uh, you know, now if that's if that's the main protagonist, you'd be like. Well, what? <laughs> or, yeah. well, that was easy. You know, of course, that as everyone's looking at you limping with missing body parts and, uh, and and having lost half the group at that point, they may all go, they may all murder you at that moment. Yeah. But I'm just yeah. saying is that you don't you don't want the ending to be like that. You'd be either you know if they do end, it, it, the ending of the of the scenario should be logical in the most. I mean, it should yeah. be. You know, it shouldn't be deus ex machina. That's probably the worst way to resolve it. Yeah. You know, preferably somebody pays the ultimate price to make it happen. Well, this brings us to number seven. Force characters to hurt themselves to advance. And you mentioned earlier climbing through the sewer grate and you're you're shredding your face up because it's that tight of a a crawl. Yeah, and you're scarred and, and you're bloody, but you've managed to get past this obstacle. Right. There's a, in, in the video games saw, there's a, there's a moment where you have to uh, dig into a toilet full of glass to find a uh, spoilers, by the way, <laughs> to find a key. Uh, and, uh, and as you do that, your agony meter goes up because you, you're you're sticking yourself on the shards of glass. You're cutting yourself and you're maiming your hands while you're trying to get your hands on this this key that you need in order to get out of the room and escape something even worse. 
See, I didn't know they were video games. I just thought they were just movies and that was it. I didn't there was a Saw video you, game, yeah. Okay, oh, so it was based on the movie, okay. Well, no, it wasn't. It, it was just based, I, I mean, I don't know if the guy ever shows up, but it was it was based on the concept. Yeah, they were, they, there was a bunch of people, they're in a, a, an area, and there are things that you have to do in order to move on. And, you know, like in the movie, the very first thing they have to do is get themselves free of that metal pipe and there's a hacksaw there, and they're not going to, you know, and, and it's not going to be able to cut through the steel, but it could cut through flesh just fine. Yeah. So, you know, and, and of course, you know, idiots that they were, instead of sawing like through the first joint of your thumbs, so you could slide the stupid thing off and maybe get it fixed later, you know, somebody's going to say, oh, you're going to chop the whole limb off. <laughs> it's like, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's where it's, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a bad person to watch most horror films because you know I'm always like why didn't they do this why didn't you'll, they you'll, do that you'll pick them apart on the first try yeah 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 it's uh there's a very there's very few horror films where I've really been carried away by it and didn't didn't do that it was just so much of a roller coaster. It's because you're a game master and you can pick these. It's like, I think of better games than this. Come on. <laughs> well, not only that, but you think, you're thinking to yourself, how do, I, how do I take this and put it in my next game? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're analyzing all the situations. You're, you're basically evaluating. Well, he's got, obviously got five levels in, you know, in dis, you know, uh, uh, disbowment. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they, people can't just reach over and tear guts out like that. He's got special abilities. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, it's like, like you said about you know you looking at a, a horror movie and saying, "Yeah, how can I put this in my next game?" It's why Pixie will sit there and whenever somebody talks, don't give Trav ideas. <laughs> He'll use them. He'll bone us all. <laughs> Well, it's your job. You bone your friends in the friendliest way possible. <laughs> right, exactly. Where it's just, it's like, don't talk about that to him. It will be, it, it's like the meme of somebody made a Sharknado for a grid. And Jeff DeRef, you know, said, to, oh, and, and Z are like, oh, it was stats. Well, if anybody had them, Trav would have them. And so I'm there and Jeff's like, oh, yeah, okay, well, yeah, okay, yeah, Trav would have stats. And I go, Elder Water Elemental and put the sharks in. And Jeff just, okay, I do this and this. Oh, did I say sharks? I meant dire sharks. <laughs> and he's just like, ah, crap. <laughs> this is why, don't, don't, yeah, don't give us GM's ideas because they will come back to haunt the players at another time. Just, we have enough. You don't need to throw gas on that fire. Uh, okay, oh, let's see. Number Eight, take away valued items or prove that they are pointless, undermining confident, confidence in judgment. Valued items. Such as... Well, it could, it could be the resources that they think they need to survive. You know, it could be, like, let's, let's say you got your hands on a shotgun, okay, uh, and, and, it, and it explodes, or you got like um, uh, an axe, except that you miss one of the, your opponents and you hit you hit a brick wall, and then and the axe head snaps off. Yeah. Okay. Something happens, and, and for some reason you lose your shoes. 
That's always a good one, where people are running around in horrific situations in their bare feet. Because that's, you know, you're really vulnerable. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> you're going you're gonna to step on something. You know you're going to step on something. The GM's just saying, let me just roll a die how long before he, this person steps on something or steps in something. Yeah, which is the next thing. I mean, all the horrible things you're having to deal with, and now you've got to deal with it on your bare flesh. You know, viscera, you know, squirting up between your toes. Yeah. Yummy. Yummy. Yeah. It's really hard to kick somebody, by the way, with your bare feet unless you're, like, really into martial arts. Right, exactly, because you know how to kick either with the ball of your foot or the heel. Yeah. But most people, they're, they they just rely upon the stiffness of their shoe. Well, yeah. 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 Or they use their shoe as a, as a kind of an impromptu shield where you fall on your back and you put your feet up and you just try to push the other, push the opponent away or, or yeah. block their blows. Not doing that in bare feet. Right. Right. Yeah. Not an option. That's like, oh, you know. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I, I think... Um, Let's see. Takeaway value prove that they're pointless. Yeah, under, undermining confidence and judgment. Yeah, okay, I see where you get that now. Thinking, oh yes, I need this particular thing, and then you find out this is not going to help me at all. Especially if you've been carrying it with you from the beginning, you knew this was important. You know, or someone deliver. Oh, this is the best. Someone delivers a mysterious package that that you have to deliver somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, and everyone's like, this is this is what we need in order to solve this problem, to solve this situation. At some point, it you know, it falls, breaks open or whatever, and either it, it's broken and you can't use it now, or it turns out to be something stupid, silly, or unimportant. Top secret documents or embarrassing documents about a senator or something like that. But in the middle of the zombie apocalypse, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but you thought it was important. You know, the guy with the briefcase, he will not put down, you know, that that person or, or that yes. woman. The woman with the Pravda purse. Oh, my yeah. goodness. No matter what happens, you have no idea what it took for me to get this outfit. Perfect. You know, and then, of course, <laughs> the GM just goes, guts. it's just chuckling, just yeah. chuckling. Yeah, then you get somebody's guts on it. And you're like, well, yeah. <laughs> Okay, and I, I think number nine kind of sums up a lot of these. Take away control whenever possible. Let's see. That starts in number three and just keeps going. <laughs> right. But there's a lot of ways of doing that. Time constraints. You know, you, yeah. you, 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 you the players love to go and, 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 and plan out their next move. You're like, no, you got to keep moving. They're right behind you. They're coming. Yeah. Or you only have, you know, you, the last chopper is waiting on the chopper pad. If things get too bad, that chopper is leaving. If you wait, you know, if you spend any, you know, any time waiting or discussing stuff, you got to do this on the fly. So... You know, it's really hard for people to discuss future plans while they're in the middle of combat or they're in yeah. the middle of dealing with some stuff. And 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 the, and the players can really get mad at you for this because you know well, they they they're well, especially RPG players because they're used to being able to sit around and, yes. and 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 talking is you know doesn't take any time. You ever heard that in your game? 
Oh yeah, I've said that in my game. What do you well, there you are. Yeah. So this in 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 a horror, you talking takes time. Talking costs something. Again, you don't want to get into a side discussion, even though it's part of the game, discussing a plan because again, that breaks the all important mood. Right. You know, if if uh, if, if they ever, if they ever relax, blow something up, set something on fire. Knock down a, a wall and have the have a horde of something come rushing in. I mean, yeah. the, you all you have to you want to keep them moving, and, and that's one thing they did say in um, uh, World War Z. He said, "What we've learned uh, in these situations of crisis is the people who keep moving live, and the people who stop don't." And that's the basis for the entire movie where so many times he could have stopped and tried to deal with things, but instead he just kept moving, kept moving, and it worked for him. I mean, you know, there were a lot of people that died in those movies because they just stayed still. So uh, in most horror films, you know, if you if you stop, you basically give the, give the monster a chance to catch up to you yeah. or, or to find you or, you know, or the cultists, you know, I mean... It's, uh, you know, now, of course, when you move, you also have the chance of exposing yourself. So, yeah. you know, they might not have seen you before. Now they do. But that's part of it, too. You want to keep if you do damned if you don't. You want to you want to keep the players moving. And which means they and that means they don't have control about where they where they they are. They're going to be moving. Mostly the only real control they have is where they're trying to get to. And that's that's the that's a goal you need to give to them because it's going to hang there like tantalus as they keep trying to get closer and closer, and you keep you know throwing up roadblocks in front of them that they have to you know surmount or, or something in order to keep going, and 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 costing them every time something more and more dear. Uh, there is a uh, a thing called what matters most. It's a thing that's done usually uh, with people to uh, help them understand the priorities in their life. And it starts off saying, yeah. you know, you've got, you know, you're on a lifeboat and there's 10 people on a lifeboat. Okay. But they're not 10 people. There are 10 things that you care about. The water, the water, you know, it's this, there's a, there's a storm and the water's rushing around and, and it, it's, and you got to make the boat lighter. What are you going to throw out? Okay, I get that. And people, when they get down to t the second and first one, they'll be sitting there with tears streaming down their faces because they, they've been like saving that one thing all the way to the end because that was the most important thing. And sometimes they're like, I, you know, there's two things that they're choosing between, and both of them are really important to them, and they're choosing to give up one of them in order to save the last one. And I mean, it, it can it can destroy people if they're if you know. It, there's times that people have to take breaks. They just stop. They says, "I can't do this anymore." And they just get up and leave. So it's a, it's a very powerful tool. But it, it can be devastating to people if they're really honest about things, you know. Uh, so anyways, in, in a role-playing situation, if you can do that, uh, you know, then 
and and maybe that's part of the character uh, inventory you do at the beginning. That you know, as far as establishing the normal, say yeah. write down ten things that are really important to your character, and put them in order, and then you know, and then see at the end of it, you know, which ones are still there. And uh, because they, you know, because the players themselves will have to make those decisions as they go along, and it may surprise them at the end what they actually ended up holding on to. Hmm. All right. All right. It kind of leaves us with our last thing, which is what works against horror? Well, we player buy-in we have yet to do. Well, yeah, but what works against it now? Yeah, we already we already talked about you know what you know what's necessary for player buy-in before we started, but we'll do it again. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah, we already did cover that, and we said that fledgling players, yeah, usually horror games are not really good with fledgling players, just because they. Yeah, unless they have a lot of theater in their background, because then they're used to you know, trying to place themselves in situations where there's going to be conflict because in, in, in any theater production, there's conflict. Otherwise, nobody would watch it. So you're already, you know, wrapping your head around the conflict that they're facing and, 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 how, the, and how you should present it and, 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 you know, live it during the performance. So the, the downside of that, of course, is that you know the story. You know, the, the, uh, nobody, you know, I mean, unless it's truly like, you know, improvisational theater, uh, which doesn't tend toward horror very well, uh, you know, everybody knows what's going to happen in the, sh in the show. They know how it's going to end. They know how it's going to begin. They know what's going to happen to them. So, you know, it may be horrific for the people watching it, but it's not horrific for the actors. <laughs> it's good for them to be able to play their characters well, but it doesn't necessarily give them any more of a... Of a of a sense of what of, of what horror is if they have that in their background. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the problems we run into, and I'm only going to mention, is that sometimes these situations actually touch on things that have happened to people, the, the actual players. Yeah, that's one of the things that I when we said about uh, mature gamers need to do this. And even then, let's say you bring up the one about sexual attacks. Yeah. Um, I could probably, you know, out of all the female gamers that I have had at my tables over the years, a fair number of them have been through some form of sexual attack. Mm -hmm. Therefore, that is not a subject I even approach in my games. I don't do it. I don't even go there. I, I, I accept the fact that most of the women that I have gamed with over the past, especially over the past 20 years, have had something bad happen to them in that arena. And so it's just a, I, it, it's safe for me not to go there. Well, I'm not saying that you should actually do it in the game because I think that would be a big mistake. I've always, I, after, after trying to use it one time in a role playing game and it was disastrous, I've said, okay, never going to include this, you know, ever in a game. You know, there might be, you know, uh, you know, if someone is 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 taken in as a slave, then you know they don't. We'll make him a kitchen slave. Other people, you know, they don't get put right, into the yeah, bedroom and it, it, forced against their will. They don't get put in the harem. I I think you can 
for the sexual attacks for the number five thing, it would be best to imply it and leave it at that. Don't bring it up. Just say, okay, this is what happened to that person and move on. Well, if it isn't something that actually is a hot thing for the players, I mean, you should ask that up front. If it isn't, then you can, you were right. The threat of it is actually very effective. Yes. But even then, there are some people that I know that just... Yeah. Well, your group... Yeah, yeah. If it's a problem, then no, you don't do it. Right. Okay? And sometimes you don't even do it to somebody else. Because I had a player one time that that uh, we had a character we have a character in, in in my Bureau 13 game and she's a she's a, a vengeful spirit because she was murdered by yeah. her fiance okay well she was strangled to death and drowned underwater basically he just grabbed her pushed her head underwater and kept her there until she drowned yeah well this guy apparently had someone had like strangled him you know into unconsciousness. Ooh. And just me telling this other person about what had happened to her was like triggering him big time. Yeah. You know, and he told me about it afterwards. And I said, well, thank you for letting me know. Um, I didn't realize that was a problem. It does. I mean, we. I don't think we need to, you know, it's not really necessary to change the character's background. I just won't mention it anymore. Right. But I'm saying that sort of thing can work against the horror because it breaks the people out of their roles. They don't want to participate if they're running into something that actually is a personal issue for them. So it's really important to find out if they do have any sort of transgressional history. Yeah. So that's like number zero. Number one I have here, it says, players tend to want to play horror games that match the kind of movies that they like. Okay, and then and the reason they do is because they think then they understand what the game is going to be like, and they think they can even anticipate the narrative, like you know, how to survive, you know, a scary movie. You know, these guys are sitting around saying, "Well, this is going to happen, so we got to, you know, as long as we know what's going to happen, then we'll be okay." See, and but if they don't get that, if it doesn't happen, then they're dissatisfied. You know? Yeah. You know, and uh, because and it really comes down to the fact is that they want to control. They want control that they don't get in a horror game. So it's that's that's a problem that you have with players, is that the people who have played games where they're constantly, you know, being the the you know they're the heroes. They're, they they surmount the. The, the, the problems and they and they, they, they see a problem they take control of it and they surmount it you know in a horror game sometimes you can't do that well yeah I mean let let's say let's see tend to want to play horror games and match movies like um let's say if somebody likes in my group movies like Zombieland or World War Z where it's you're constantly on the run. You're constantly, you know, what what's the term? Run and gun. And you're always having to. And let's say Colleen has, she's gothic horror. She loved the Ravenloft setting. Well, action horror and gothic horror are two different things. And barely the, the twain shall meet. You're going to have to find some type of happy medium or you're going to be running one or the other. And you're going to have that one person who likes one type. Yeah, this is their element. This is great. And then the other person who likes gothic horror is not going to like it because it's like, I'm not in the, into the constant battles and all this. I'm in it for setting the ambiance. And yeah, 
you're that's something you're going to need to determine as a good GM early on. You know, you cater to your audience. Right. And right. if different types of horror are like, then you're going to have to try to either do one type of horror and then switch to another type or somebody's going to be ended up being permanently dissatisfied. Because if you're doing adventure horror or action horror and then you slide into gothic horror, you've pleased this person and now you're giving that other person that all-important spotlight so they can shine in the horror setting that they like. Zombies are a good example because everyone has this idea of what zombies are like, okay? And, you know, and and, and people get so mad when the, the zombies don't act like they're supposed to. Oh, yes. If it's, oh, the slow shuffling zombie and all of a sudden this zombie's running faster than a track star. I've heard people like, what? Wait, no, that's not how, you know, like these, these movies where you're trapped in the mall and there's zombies and you're driving away in the car and all of a sudden the zombie is keeping pace with the car. Uh-huh. Oh, no, I've heard people just lose their damn minds when they saw that. Well, I've, it was a recent, like, 93 make of Dawn of the Dead. Right. Well, one of those, like, Day of the Dead movies, they had ninja zombies. They were crawling across the ceiling. They were leaping out of third-story windows, breaking out of the windows, landing on the ground, rolling up on their feet, running over to the, the, the defenders, and... You know, tearing the guns out of their hands and killing them, and I could just, and I'm just sitting there going, "Whoa, <laughs> yeah, just, he says, what kind of zombies are these?" You know, and yes, it, it, it definitely. You know, I was like, you know, at that point, I wasn't really into it because I was like, uh well, I think I think also zombie, the whole zombie craze, especially with how The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead and Zombie Land are all, you know. It it's it is a sharply divisive fandom. Mm-hmm. It really is, and and you and I, when we went to the, the one year we were at Gen Con together, and we looked at all the various zombie games that were there in the dealers room, right? And just we what twenty some odd different, at least twenty, yes, yeah, and yeah. Even then, I noticed there were just different takes on zombies on each one, and uh-huh. so yeah, that that your horror, if you have. If if you're all okay, if you all decide we're doing a zombie apocalypse game, fine, great. Everybody's on board, they're rock and rolling, everything's as my mom would say, Ted eight and straight. And then you're bringing in the track star zombies, and they're used to shuffling, you know, the slow shuffling zombies from Walking Dead. That's gonna throw a lot of people off their kilter, and you might have people up and leave. It's like, no, you didn't say it was like this, because it, you, there was a misinterpretation of the spoken contract of what a zombie is perceived to be. Right. So, yeah, that, that's just something I've noticed that with with zombie horror games. Yeah, it, it, it's a, as you say, it's a, it's a very divisive type thing. You know, people about angels, you know, and they, 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 some people are really, a, a, you know, this is angels are this way or that way, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so the second thing uh, that works against it, time. Horror is a slow boil. You got to give time for the the players to realize how bad off things are or to get... uh, have be able to get complacent so you can pull the 
the the rug out from underneath them again. Well, yeah, establish yeah, even just establishing the normal as we said number one earlier. That, but I mean, while it's going on, because yeah, but yes, establish the normal. You can't establish the normal unless you take time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to let them settle in their roles, and then. And then when things start to get weird, okay, if you like load up like everything all at once, you know, then they're like, oh, well, look at all this weird stuff. Something's happening. But if you slowly do it where one thing happens and another thing happens, everybody's phone goes off at the same time, you know, uh, you know, uh, talking about, you know, some missing kid. And then you realize that everyone's a different car and a different kid that's missing. You know, things like that. You, have, you, have to, you want to give them a little bit of time to look at that and then say, oh, and by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, what is going on? How could there be this many missing kids all at once? So, you know, so yes, time. And, and so, you know, most... And, and that's probably a, you know, most people, they barely have time to play like their action RPGs, you know, uh, they, 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 they try to do it like a couple of hours and, and then they don't see each other for two weeks or a month. You know, if you're going to play horror, it's probably best to do it over a weekend where you have time to really take some time to do it, but at the same time, not lose the mental continuity. Yeah. So it's, uh. You know, probably ideally would be done like a multi-session thing at like a, a convention where you could, you know, you know, where you're running like, you know, multiple people through the first scenario and then a second scenario and finally the third scenario, you know, total of 12 hours altogether, four hour blocks. There's enough continuity between the sessions that they're able to, to go and, and if they if they carry their character, you know, they can play that character in their character's condition in each of the, the next sessions. Yeah. So if some person did better, then they don't have to take somebody else's character that's been damaged in some way that they weren't involved with. You know, no, I did that. I, we succeeded on that role, so we didn't have to do that. Uh, well, you got to do it anyways because that's what the character says. You know, that's, that's not good. You know, you know so... Yeah, you gotta you gotta get them to to invest like that. Anything else with time? No, I I think that covered that nicely. And number three is something that we talk about constantly here on this podcast and have for years. It is your your one of your main catchphrases over the years that I have adopted for my gaming adventures. Spotlight. Too much time focusing on one character will make the rest disengage. We cannot say this enough on this podcast as role-playing game masters of decades, each of us, let everybody have their spotlight time. And in a horror game, it stands just as true. Every character needs to, because if you got the one guy doing everything and all the rest are there, they're going to feel like, well, we're just going to get taken off by the zombies while Mr. One-Shot-One-Kill here does everything. Why are we at the table? And it also means that you've set up all your scenarios so that that one person can succeed at everything. Yeah, that's that's a ba that's bad design. Yeah. If, if the other people aren't needed, you know, and therefore don't get spotlight time, then uh, then you didn't design your adventure where you didn't design your story. 
Well, it, it, it's like the old um, Doc Savage, where, yeah, Doc Savage was, you know, the man of bronze. He was, you know, basically our America's first superhero. And he had his Fantastic Five. I forget how many there were. No, I'm, I'm trying. I know there were five, but I forget what they called them. But each of them, I mean, Doc Savage was a master of all trades. He was just scientist, adventurer, uh, inventor. And each of his five assistants, like one was a geologist, one was a chemist, one was a mechanic, one was a lawyer. And I forget the fifth one. But each of them, in and of the probably electrician, yeah. But each of them, in and of themselves, were expert in that one field. So they all got their spotlight time. And of course, these were pulp novels, so they were written where all five of the characters would get their various spotlights, including you know two of them. I think Monk and Long Tom were the two, and they'd always be bickering and arguing. You could tell they were old friends, but you always had their spotlight time because besides showcasing their their respective talents, they were busy bantering with each other. So even if the characters are minor to the second one, still give them their spotlight time. If you're there in a zombie apocalypse horror game and you have the soccer mom who has to, you know, she's been used to, you know, she, she makes lunches for her kids quickly because she's got to get them out the door. Even something as simple as just trying to, okay, you sit down for a half hour while you're hiding and, you know, Joni, you know, whips up stuff for you with rations and stuff just so you guys can eat so you can, you know, keep going. If it's, even if it's something to try that still, the soccer mom has something to do just because it's a skill she's had. I, I like the memes, and I don't know, Bruce, if you've seen them about Name one skill that you have that would be good in a zombie apocalypse. I don't know how many of my female friends say fiber work, like sewing or knitting. Or <laughs> it's like you got to make clothes; they ain't gonna be making them in the in the the factories and sell them in the stores. So, oh no, I've got. Yeah, Trav has. You got to stitch up those gashes. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, that'll that that's also comes in handy too. There, it's like. You're just looking going, is that thread sterile? Yeah. <laughs> you want me soaking alcohol? Shut up, you big baby. No. Um, but yeah, I've noticed a lot of my lady friends that's the thing that they put. I can sew or I can knit. And <laughs> there are times at my Sunday game, Amber, she's there knitting caps and stuff while she's playing her sorceress. You know, just, <laughs> just but it's that it's that whatever and and a lot of times in zombie or in, in horror, the people are normal going up against the extraordinary. But they still have something about them they can do. If you can shape your scenario to feature them doing something, like let's say you're trying to get away from the zombies and you your car all of a sudden ain't working. But you got the guy who works on motorcycles part-time, and he's sort of the town thug, you know, kind of, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a lone wolf, I'm a you know, rebel. And, well, that guy's got mechanical skill. He might just be able to get that car going again to get you out of there before the zombies side snack on you. And you'll give him that chance to flex his muscles and 
exhibit that skill to save the day. That'll be his spotlight time. But yeah, I, it, it's... As I said, I don't watch very many horror movies. It's not a genre I'm particularly into. Real life is, can be scary enough. But with enough of the games that I've run over the years, I've seen how in times of great tension, everybody has a role. Everybody who is meant to get through this has some type of part that they're going to play. And in a game, allow them that time to play that part. Give them a reason for that character to have been made in the first place. Okay. Even if it's somebody, as I said, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to say ineffectual because me saying a mom is ineffectual, that that's going to be an insult of the highest degree to our moms who listen to this. You would think that a soccer mom, Oh, she, you know, makes lunches and she runs the kids around. It's like, they still have skills. Yeah. Being a mom is one of the most, most rewarding yet most underappreciated jobs in existence. And so they have skills. It's the hardest job you'll ever love. Is that what you're going for? Yeah, exactly. Well, they, they listed all of the occupations that a mom does, and it listed that they should be getting paid like $200,000 a year for all the various things they do. Cook, nurse, chauffeur, you know, secretary, because they got to, you know, do the books or whatever for, you know, you know, mind the household and just all these things. And it listed like 200 and some thousand dollars. So, yeah, if you're playing a soccer mom, in, in like a horror game, any time they got skills, give them the chance to exhibit. They will that soccer mom will probably save you all y'all's bacon. <laughs> but yeah, the, the spotlight thing, yeah, that 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 as I said, that is something that we do on talk about on the show constantly. And I, I remember Bruce bringing it up years ago, and it, it's become a mantra for the podcast. And also, I've used it and I've explained it to like Josie when she's running her game, or to the pl other players that are at my table here. Spotlight time is essential for everybody. Yep. Everybody needs spotlight and conflict is good. Yes. Oh, that, that's your other phrase. Yeah. It opened my eyes because it said horror is not a genre I normally run. When I do have to run it for one of Perky God's games that we co-create, I'm always kind of like, and I'm looking at her like, you're going to have to help me on this one. I remember, horror is not my genre. This actually has helped me get a little better involved with how to run it, even though I am not a fan of the genre. So I actually thank you for bringing this subject up and kind of, you know, pushing me in the deep end for this. So thank you, sir. Oh, I'm glad. That's why, that's why we do this. We're here to help everybody basically bring the awesome to their game, in this case, horror. Uh, and, and, uh, and horror can be added, of course, into any game. You could throw horror into a superhero game. Just have some some creature or being or even just person, a villain who is just that out there with his stuff that it could be run as a horror scenario. I mean, technically, like the Joker could be considered a horrific villain. Oh, he is a horrific character. Yeah. So, yeah, right there. Perfect example. The Mysterio, the guy who's got hypnotism in Spider-Man. I believe so. Yes. I mean, he, he breaks all kinds of boundaries every time he shows up. You know, uh, and, and Batman, of course, there's the Scarecrow. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. 
So yeah, a straight up super, uh, otherwise superhero games can definitely you know uh, bring the horror. And, and of course, they tried very hard to do that in the death of Superman. Oh yes, yeah. I mean, they didn't pick a nice, pretty-looking guy to do, to to do that. No, <laughs> he was pretty much a physical horror. Thanks everybody for uh, helping us along, giving us a, a good reason to do this. We uh, uh, hope that you will take horror and and uh, and at least experience it once in a game with your players, uh, maybe as a. Uh, a change of pace. I don't want to say a palate cleansing because with the amount of loss that might occur, yeah. if you're using it against established characters, you may not want to do it. But at the same time, you'll be having, I think that you will have much richer play uh, of those characters afterwards after gone through this experience. Oh, yeah. Think of it as uh, a, a, a means of. Of of get really getting to know your uh, your player and your and your characters in a way you never thought you would, uh, and if you have done this and been had very effective uh, techniques, uh, let us know how things worked out for you. Post a message on on Facebook and our uh, fr uh, uh, friends of the Gaming on the Frontier podcast, and uh, or leave a message on our uh, Podbean site. Uh, and if you really like what we're doing here, please go to uh, uh, iTunes and leave us a good review because we always could use those. Oh, yeah. Anyways, uh, thanks again, and uh, we'll have more for you next week. But until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.